Cool. Welcome along, everyone. Um, it's great to be with you guys tonight. If I haven't met you before, my name's Tim, and um, we're going to share a bit of a message from the Bible now for the next little bit. And um, this is cool. I've got my hands back. <laughs> We've, this, we had an old microphone like this that we something happened to it, and we got a new one. So it's good. I'm not used to all this freedom. Um, and yeah, so tonight we are finishing up this series that we've been doing on rest. So we've been talking about rest as a theme in the Bible and as a spiritual practice and actually as that quite a countercultural thing to experience and to practice as a way of life, actually a life of rest or a rhythm of work and rest, um, of stopping can make us quite anxious in a, in a non-stop culture, but actually has great um, significance, can actually grow us incredibly spiritually, um, and actually an act of faith that we actually say we trust and follow God and we rest in him. We don't rely on our work or our efforts, even though work is still important, but, but we work from a place of rest and faith and relationship with him. So we've been talking through that. Um, if you missed any of that and you want to catch up on any of it, it's on, it's on our podcast, it's on our website. Um, you, can, you can sort of track through. Um, but we're going to finish it tonight. Um, and I might just pray. And then, then I'll sort of, we're going on a little bit of a different tack tonight, so I'll kind of explain that. But let's, let's pray as we sort of just come to this time. Yeah, Father, just thank you for what um, you've been doing in our hearts. Um, thank you for this truth of your word, um, that, that we can have rest in you. Um, what we long for is found in you. And we just pray, God, would you speak tonight um, through me, through your word. Um, reframe our whole way of thinking around your word and your story and your truth. And Jesus, would you just speak to our hearts tonight? Um, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts um, and, and bring freedom and life, um, your light and your love? So just ask that you meet us in this time in your name. Amen. Cool. So um, what we're going to talk about tonight is we've been talking kind of a lot about rest as in the idea of stopping um, of, of having a day of rest or, or resting in God in the sense of like abiding in God. But tonight we're kind of going on another aspect of the idea of rest and that's how rest can kind of be linked to the idea of fulfillment or, or satisfaction in that we have um, desires and, and longings of our heart and in some ways to fully rest is, is, is the concept of actually those desires, those longings actually being satisfied. That, that what we want in life, what we long for has been met, and now we can rest. It's not just stopping, but it's actually this satisfaction, this fulfillment, this that everything's actually right in the world. And in some ways, it can kind of even be linked to this, the, the longing for home. Um, the, the, the idea of, of home can be so deep and powerful in our hearts. And, and you might even experience this if you've had a time maybe without um, a place to live and there's actually a significance around that or maybe having a place to live and that there's actually a real deep significance to that place. Um, but that it even goes beyond that, that often we, we have a place, but that's, there's still a deeper longing for home. And it's interesting that there's this, this, these longings and desires that we want satisfied and that kind of can be linked to this idea of rest, but in some ways, they're kind of never satisfied. Like, we, we kind of maybe have a home, or maybe we have this community, but there's always more that we desire. Um, J.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, says, we all long for Eden, that we actually, in our hearts, long for home, but home is not just like a really good house, or even a family that's just 
perfect and wonderful, but it's actually heaven and earth united us in communion with God. That that's actually what we're made for. That's where we started. And we have this restlessness almost of trying to get back to that. And the thing that we often do, we might not even really realize that. And sometimes, and, and I guess the sort of the natural thing to do is to try to find that satisfaction or rest now. That that's, that's what we want. And it happens in lots of different ways. Um, one might be, like we were saying, is actually trying to find the perfect home or make this home or fulfill these desires through a place. Um, that might be through literally like buying and renovating a house and just making it awesome and amazing and, and wanting to have a family and just wanting everything to be right. It, maybe it's not like a house. Maybe it's just like a group of friends and it's like, I just want... This, this perfect, if I just have the right friends and we just all get along, then I'll have home and it'll be, it'll be right and it'll be good or family or, or something else. And it's kind of this idea of let's, let's build it, let's, let's make it, let's just settle down and then everything will be good. But, and, and there's kind of, that, that we get those messages all the time, like particularly like the home messages, like there's so many shows about renovations, there's just all these pictures of like, if you live here, then everything will be right. <laughs> you will feel fulfilled. And that, that's what the ad tells us, but it often doesn't deliver. But it might be the opposite. It might be not actually, I'm not going to find home through like the perfect house or family or friends. It might actually be through going, searching somewhere else. And actually, maybe it looks like Actually, I don't want to settle down. The settling down at a house is kind of mundane and it doesn't really satisfy. What I need to do is get out and explore the world. I need to see things and I need to be different places and meet other people. And actually, when I do that, maybe I'll have this experience when everything's just right and perfect and that will satisfy. And again, we're not saying there's anything wrong with building a house and not that it doesn't satisfy. It, it's nice. It's good. And not saying there's anything wrong with travel. And not that you don't have really good experiences of travel, but that they just don't meet that need. That because people go and travel and have an awesome trip, and then we say, well, we need to travel again. <laughs> we need to go back. We need to do more. We build an awesome house, but we need a better one. Like, there's this, there's this satisfaction, but it doesn't quite meet the need that's there. And in some ways, what we can, without really maybe realizing it, start to do is live a life. And the story of our life is really us on this search for satisfaction, this search for meaning, this search for fulfillment. It could be in home or family. It could be in travel, escape. Like we've been talking in this series, it could be in work and achievement and, and getting like the, the best job or, or some grades, or it could be in escaping and just um, being able to indulge and shows and just escape the world. And actually, that's what we want to do. But in some ways, this, there's this, we're the center and we're on a search for satisfaction and fulfillment. And we can have it now if we just find the right thing, if we just get to the next point. And this creates a real restlessness that we have to always be searching. We have to always be looking because we're not fulfilled. There's longings that have not been met. The really interesting thing, though, is that that story of life is not the story of the Bible. It's not the story the Bible tells. The Bible's claiming to tell the true story of the world, what history and what human life is actually about. And it's not that story. In some ways, it's actually the opposite story. It's not the story that we're at the center of the story and we're on this search for fulfillment and meaning. It's actually that God is at the center of the story and he is coming. And actually, he has a desire and a longing that he will fulfill. And when that happens, we will be fulfilled. 
that he's actually the center and he is working to make a home and actually that's what we truly want. So what we're going to do is, is go through, this is a bit ambitious, but basically like the whole Bible <laughs> in like probably 10 minutes or so, we're going to give you a broad overview of this theme because it comes up again and again and again. I'm going to go through a lot of Bible verses and don't worry if you don't understand them all or if they kind of just go over your head or you kind of just, what does that even mean? Don't, don't worry. What I want you to get is the main sections that we're going through. We're going to trace a theme. So the, the point is the theme and the concept. So you can go back and look at other passages later on. But this theme starts right at the start. And we've kind of talked a bit about this in this series, that God creates a world. And in Genesis, he creates it in six days. And this is this idea of building something in six stages. And back then, if someone was building something in six stages, they're actually building a temple. A temple is a house for a God to dwell in. It's this concept that God is actually building creation, and it's this good creation that he's made, that then he will actually dwell in it. That God is not a God who just builds something and then just like disappears and he's far away. That his desire is actually to be with us. It says this in Genesis 2, Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And this is not God resting because he's tired. This is God taking up residence in the creation. He's, he's dwelling in it. He's resting in it. So he actually comes. He builds and then he comes to rest or to dwell in the creation that he's made. That's, that's, that's actually what he wants. Tom Wright says about that this way. God's resting has to do with the creator's enjoyment of his world, his celebration of heaven and earth as a dwelling for himself. That God made creation to actually overlap, earth to overlap with heaven. This idea of God's space where God is and, and human space where humans are, were to actually be connected and one. And that's Eden. When God walked with Adam and Eve, that, that's actually, that he dwelt there. That's what we long for. But we know the story that, that, that Adam and Eve have to leave Eden. And now we're constantly wanting to get back there. And we kind of sometimes think that we have to make it. We have to find it. But we actually see in the story that like God builds and then rests, his desire is still to come and dwell with his people. And we see this through the Bible multiple times. One a great example is God rescues this people, the Israelites from Egypt. They're slaves and he wants a people that he's going to use this people to rescue the world. And he pulls these people, he rescues them powerfully and takes them out into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he says he wants to have this relationship with them where they follow his, his law, where they reflect him, and where he actually dwells with them. He says this in, in Exodus to Moses, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. So God doesn't want to just be far away. Or even when he's talking to, to Moses and the people, God is up the mountain in this cloud and fire. But he says, no, I want you to build me a sanctuary. The, the, the biblical term is a tabernacle or it's like a tent so that God can actually come down and dwell with the people. That's what he desired. And this actually happened. It was, it was powerful. When they built it, then after a while, the, the cloud where God was dwelling covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God, and like we know God is everywhere, but God's manifest presence, his glory came to dwell in this tent that they had made. So we see he comes to dwell with Israel, his people, he wants to dwell and rest with them. This also happens in the temple. Um, when, when Solomon builds the temple, 
Again, the temple is kind of like the tabernacle turned into the temple once they entered the promised land. And a temple is this, this, this overlap space. It's like God's space and human space together. It's where, where you go to meet with God. And again, they built this temple. And at the end there, it says, um, where am I? The cloud filled the temple of the Lord again. God comes in power and he fills it with his glory and dwells with the people. Solomon at the end says, The Lord has said he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. So God actually comes to dwell and to be with his people. And it's not like just open access. There's priests, only priests can go in. And there's certain rituals and things they need to do. But it's still God wants to be with the people and have the priests kind of be the mediators of his presence. So we see he comes to dwell with Israel. He comes, he builds the creation to dwell. And then even though it's broken, he comes to dwell and be with his people. And then we see that this, this in some ways, is so amazingly fulfilled in Jesus. It says this in, in John 1. The word God became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. That God so wants to be with us that he would actually become like us. That he would actually become a human and dwell among us. The message translation translates the idea of dwell. It says that he, he moved into the neighborhood. God came to be with us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Again, God's glory coming down to be with us. Um, Jesus' name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And you see this theme, God, God coming down to dwell. He comes in Jesus to dwell, to be with us. And then, so this I just said that point. I should have turned it quicker. <laughs> I'll say it again. He comes to dwell with us as a human, Jesus. And then ultimately, Jesus comes to open the access to God's presence. Um, Jesus is now the new temple. This is this interesting thing. Jesus said all these things about the temple. One thing he said about it is that he would destroy it and he would raise it again. And people are like, what are you talking about? Like this, They said it here. It's taken 46 years to build this temple. Like it's a gold Bricks, like huge structure. That's amazing, right? 46 years. And Jesus is going to make it again in three days. But they didn't understand. It says the temple he'd been speaking about was his body. God comes to dwell in Jesus. And now Jesus is where heaven and earth overlap. And in Jesus is now where we meet God. He actually becomes the new temple, the new meeting place with God. And through his death and resurrection, he actually makes access into God's presence. There's this verse which talks about the temple curtain that, that blocked people from coming fully into God's presence. When Jesus was died, it said at that moment, the, temp, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That Jesus' death and resurrection has made a way for us to come into God's presence because he wants to dwell with us. He wants us to be with him in this close relationship. So it's saying in Jesus, he comes to dwell. Jesus is the new temple. And you see this theme. This theme keeps getting developed, but it doesn't finish with Jesus. It actually keeps going. And Jesus even talks about this. He says this when he's leaving. He says to his disciples, Very truly I tell you, it is good that I'm going away. Jesus says he's about to leave. And he says, Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is Jesus talking about the Spirit, God's personal presence, the Holy Spirit. And God's vision is not just to come in Jesus and dwell amongst us, whereas Jesus is in one place at one time as a human. 
It's actually God's desire that his spirit would dwell in us, that he wouldn't just be with us, but in us. And it's actually that the New Testament teaches that then we become the new temple, that God's presence comes to rest in us individually and as a community. And again, like, like it was God's desire, and then it happened in the tabernacle, and it happened in the temple, it happened in Jesus. Again, it happened on Pentecost. And this is actually, today is Pentecost Sunday, and we're, we're, we today remember when the Holy Spirit came, that first um, day. And this, this says this in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So again, it's like this glory of God that comes in power. There's this wind. And it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. There's wind and there's fire. And each of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God comes now to dwell in his people, in believers in Jesus, individually and together. And actually through that, we see in this story, God is like, re-bringing to back together the nations and people who speak different languages can now understand each other and they're talking as one and God's u- uniting this people that he's creating for himself. He even says that in Ephesians, talking about um, the Gentiles coming in and then towards the end, it says in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is Paul talking to the church, and he's saying to the church, you are now the temple. And this is not saying like the building is the temple, but the people, the community, that God doesn't actually want to dwell in a tent or in a temple. He actually wants to dwell in and among his people. And actually, this happened on Pentecost. And this is true for us, that actually God comes to rest and dwell in us by his spirit. And actually in us corporately as a community that we're united by his spirit and by his presence. And there's a sense, and maybe even more than a sense, that actually we can find home in ourselves now because he rests in us. That's what we were designed for, for God to rest, to God to dwell and for us to dwell with God. And that's now possible by the spirit, but it's not finished. It's not completely fulfilled. So there's still a desire for more. And this is because the story is not actually finished. And that, so we're tracking through. We're saying creation, he dwells. Temp, tabernacle, he dwells. Temple, he dwells. In Jesus, he comes to dwell. By the Spirit, he comes down in power and dwells with us. But then the end of the story of the Bible is actually God coming to fill and dwell in everything. It says this at the end of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is God's people who've been um, renewed, and they're coming to dwell with God. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's actually the vision at the end of Revelation, the end of the Bible and the story of what we're longing and what we're waiting for, that ultimately he will one day come to dwell with us and cover the whole earth in his presence. And again, now God comes by his spirit and we can, we can meet him and have this sense of rest and home 
with him. But there's a longing for that day when he will fully come, when he will fully cover the earth with his presence. It even says this in Habakkuk, there's this, this prophecy. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's other verses in Revelation that talk about this, this idea of a new garden city and Eden being renewed and God's, God um, removing evil and suffering and death and us dwelling with him forever. And actually, he, he will come then, and it's only then that the longing will be fully satisfied. There's some satisfaction now by his spirit. We meet with him. We can know his presence. But even that gives a yearning and a longing for more for that day when he will come back, when he will fully renew and dwell with us forever. So you see this theme. The story is not this story of us searching to find the satisfaction and the meaning. The story is of God coming constantly to us to dwell to rest and ultimately to come in the end over the whole earth. And actually, that's what we're waiting for. That's what we truly long for. And in some ways, that's like the most revolutionary type of resting we could imagine, that God wants to make his home with us. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to dwell in the earth. The rest that we long for will only be satisfied by his coming to dwell with us. This is our hope. This is ultimately what we long for. We long for his coming, that that day when he will come, when he will renew everything, and we will dwell with him perfectly, Eden restored. That's the deep longing and desires of our heart. But if we're not kind of in touch with that, it's easy for us to get, get pulled back into this, no, well, if we just get the perfect home, we'll be satisfied. Or if we just go and do the trip, we'll be satisfied. And the horizon of our life or kind of the vision of our life is like the next thing. The next thing is the thing that will satisfy. Or the, the, the vision we have, then, uh, then I'll be fulfilled. And we can even do this as Christians. There's like a Christian version of this, which is the home becomes, say, like the church or the community. It's like once we have an awesome, amazing church family and community where everyone feels belonging and acceptance and, and God's presence is there, then we will have rest and satisfaction. And again, it's just that our project where we're searching to build it to rest. Or it can be even, and again, that's a good thing, but, it, but, it, but it, there's this wrong expectation. Or it could be we just need to have this amazing experience with God. If we just encounter God in this powerful way, then we will have rest and satisfaction. And again, encountering God powerfully is good and, 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 and significant. and can be life-changing, but it's not the thing. It's not the true horizon. It's not what, where we will ultimately be satisfied and fulfilled. Leslie Newbegin talks about it like this. He says, There will always be the temptation, even for those within the Christian community, to find the clue. When he talks about clue, he's talking about this idea of rest, of satisfaction, of fulfillment. To find the clue in the success of some project of our own. To see our program, whether of church growth or human development, as a success story, which is going to give meaning to our lives. That's the temptation. We think if we just build the church, we'll be satisfied. If we just meet God powerfully, we'll be satisfied. But he says the true horizon is not at the successful end of our projects, but in his coming to reign. Actually, those things may go well, but it's not the thing. Like we may encounter God, it's not the thing. The house may be great, it's not the thing. The trip may be great. It's not the thing. The true horizon, the true vision 
where actually what we deeply long for will be satisfied and will be met is when Jesus comes to dwell, when he returns to reign. That's actually what we truly long for and desire. So we're saying God desires to make his home with us. The rest we long for will only be satisfied by his coming to dwell with us. This is our hope. This is ultimately what we long for. And that can be so freeing even, because then we can do the stuff without the demand for satisfaction now. We can say, actually, we can, we can kind of release that expectation and have the joy that knows, actually, yeah, he's coming, and we will be fulfilled, and we can serve faithfully and wait patiently now and love people, and actually, we, we, we can wait. But maybe you might be listening today, and you might be saying, I just don't really know what you're talking about, Tim. Like, like I don't know, but I, I don't really feel like that deep longing for Jesus to return. Like, I kind of just want the good house. <laughs> like, I kind of just want the good trip. Like, that's, that's really what I'm longing for. Or maybe I just want the church to be good. That's what I'm longing for. I just want to encounter God. That's, that's what I'm longing for. Or maybe you might even say, I don't really have any longings. Like, I don't, I'm pretty good. Like, I don't, I'm not really strongly desiring anything. I'm just going to chill and sit back and just, I'm good. And maybe that could be a response and I guess a question tonight to kind of think through, if, that, if that's kind of what we might be thinking, is, is if we say, actually, no, I can have fulfillment and satisfaction in, in the house, in the, ho- in, in the holiday, in my friends, in my, if, I, if I get the right job, I'm going to be satisfied. If we're really, really honest, we kind of know that we won't. We kind of know, because we've experienced before, where we've, where we've really wanted something, and then we've got it, but it just doesn't cut it. It's good but it's just not enough. We've, we've, we've gone for it. We've gone for the trip. Maybe, maybe we've wanted this relationship and it's happened, but it just doesn't fully, deeply satisfy enough. Or maybe it did for a bit, but it doesn't last. And actually, if we're honest, that actually that, behind that, we kind of know that actually that's not going to work. There's a deeper longing there that maybe we're not in touch with it, but it's there. There's something that we want that's not going to be satisfied by those things. But maybe we might say, well, I just don't really long for anything. I'm just, I'm just good. I'm just not really interested. And maybe that's even because we've wanted something and it hasn't happened. We really wanted this job. We really wanted this friendship. We really wanted this relationship. And it failed. And we've experienced crushing disappointment. And maybe not one time, but maybe again and again and again. We hope disappointment, hope disappointment, hope. And that's painful. And that's hard. And then we kind of can easily start to say, well, I'm just not going to hope anymore. I'm just not going to long for anything anymore. And we say it's just too painful to be in touch with those desires when they may not be met. But again, if we're really, really honest, we might say, actually, the truth is, I do still have longings. I just don't want to go there. I just, I just, it's just too painful to go there. I just want to numb them. I just want to push them away because actually to get in touch with that is too painful and hard. But if we're really honest, we'd say we actually can't shut them off. They're there. They may just be buried, but they're deep. There's actually still a longing there. And the, the invitation, I guess, tonight, and maybe one, a couple of ways to respond to what we're talking about tonight is actually to come to a place where we acknowledge that we have deep longings that only he can satisfy. And actually just acknowledge that. Actually, I long for stuff 
And the holiday, the house, even the best family, even the best relationships, they're not going to cut it. And actually just recognize that. Or maybe I, I really just don't want to long for anything, but actually it's still there. I just have this longing and I actually want more. And actually that's only going to be satisfied in him. And actually to do that, especially if there's been deep disappointment, might actually require facing pain. And maybe even if, if we haven't faced that disappointment and we want more and more, like it might even be a pain of actually letting go and saying, actually, that dream that I think is going to satisfy, it's actually not. And actually there's some pain to, to acknowledge that. But there's actually power in letting that go and acknowledging that. Larry Crabb says this, the more honestly we face whatever hurt may be locked inside, the more passionately we can be drawn to the beauty of a lover who responds consistently with all the tender strength our heart desires. That actually acknowledging the pain, acknowledging the longings actually draws us to Jesus more. He says, people who stay away from their hurt tend to develop a matter-of-fact relationship with Christ. So if we say, no, no, I'll just be satisfied with more stuff, or no, no, I don't have any longings, we just don't want to go there, actually, we, we kind of can disconnect us from this deep relationship with Jesus. It says their energy is released more in ideas, causes, or projects than in relationship. That actually acknowledging the longing can be painful, but can actually draw us more to him, which is actually good. It actually, if we recognize that we have a longing that only he can satisfy, it actually frees us to focus more on him. And yes, we still need to do the work and we still might have a house and we still might go on holidays and, and, and we still will experience pain and disappointment, but we can actually focus more on the fact that it's actually him that we're waiting for. It's actually him that we're longing for and actually draws us to him and he's the only one that can satisfy. And this then if we, if we walk this path, can then even turn into a thirst for him to return. And a thirst can actually be really good. It's actually this, this longing, and maybe there's an ache to it, but it actually draws us and makes us look forward in hope, and even with joy, knowing that he will come. This, this, if we acknowledge the longings and maybe even the pain, and, and the fact that it's only him that's going to satisfy, we start to thirst and long to seek his presence. Again, Larry Crabb says this, the longings of our heart must be faced. The disappointment of our soul must be experienced. Only then will we learn to pant after God in eager anticipation of his coming, when every desire will be forever satisfied. That actually being in a place where we acknowledge that nothing else is going to satisfy puts us in a position where we long for the true satisfaction that will come with him, which is actually a good place to be. It's actually even a good feeling of longing and thirsting and desire for him, and even a hopeful one because we know that he will come and that he will satisfy and he will renew. And actually there will be a day when we will find the true rest that we long for. Again, Leslie Newbigin says it this way, the true horizon is not at the successful end of our projects, but in his coming to reign. And actually acknowledging that frees us up in some ways. It frees us up from demanding and needing satisfaction now. It frees us up to focus on him, to wait patiently and to look for him rather than needing to demand relief from pain or disappointment or issues now. So saying acknowledge the longing only he can satisfy let that turn into a thirst for him and his return. C.S. Lewis even 
talks about that kind of being what joy is. His definition is that joy is related to a deep-seated longing that's questing for its proper object. That actually to long for God is actually a joyful experience. There's actually, there's a joy in looking to Him and looking to His coming. Just in the same way when you're, when you're excited and you're, you're anticipating something that is coming. Maybe it's a holiday. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's getting married. There's this excitement as you anticipate it. That's actually, sometimes that's even more enjoyable than the actual thing when it happens, is, is, is the looking forward to it. And in the same way, if there's a thirst and a hunger for it, it's coming, there's actually a joy that's available now as we wait and as we long and as we thirst for Him, knowing that one day it will happen. He will come and dwell with us forever. And as we said, this can, this can then, the, the way that we then live is that that's the horizon. That's the vision. And we still are faithful and we still have things to do and we still buy a house and go on holiday. And that's, that's good, but it's not the vision of the satisfaction. The vision is the horizon is him and his coming and it frees us up. At the end of Revelation, it says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. There is drink. There is a satisfaction for the thirst. And there's an invitation to come to him. And there is a satisfaction available now by his presence and his spirit. But there's more that will come on that day. And the invitation is to long for that, to pray for that, to seek that, to, to look to him and, and even ache for him and his coming and his return. Revelation again finishes with this. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. And he prays this prayer, amen, come Lord Jesus. And maybe tonight there's an invitation for us to come and be really honest with God. And maybe say, as actually try to get in touch with maybe what those longings are. Maybe there's a project that we're just focused on. Maybe it is a house or a holiday or it's a church. Or maybe there's something that we're just, that's the vision. And actually, we need to be really honest with God that actually we, we have these deep longings and actually they won't be satisfied by that, but they will be by him. And let that turn into a prayer for him to come, to actually say, come, Lord Jesus. And looking for that day, looking for when you return looking for when you will dwell and renew the whole earth. And then the story is not the story of us in this sort of restless search to find satisfaction and meaning. It's a story of a God who faithfully comes again and again and again, and we get to rest in him and wait for him with hope and joy. And there's a freedom to that. And there's an ability to rest now because it's not on us. It's his faithfulness. We can trust and we can rest and we can rely on him. So we're going to respond tonight with, with communion. Um, and as we do that, I just encourage you to, to, to spend time with Jesus, to recognize the longing and desire for him, that we are made for relationship with him, for intimate, close relationship with him, and to maybe even begin to pray that, come, Lord Jesus, to look to that day and to respond. Um, I'll be up the front if anyone would like prayer. And again, tonight, sometimes even getting in touch with that stuff can be quite confronting particularly disappointment can be quite hard and confronting, but, but also very freeing and life-giving. And if you'd like, I could pray with you. If you'd like someone else to pray with you, please please talk, talk to someone next to you or around or come forward. Um, we'll just spend time with God and just let's do some heart, heart work and heart business with him tonight and get in touch with the desires and bring them to him. 
Um, so I'm going to pray, and then, then you can come. And um, if you believe and love Jesus, come and take one of the biscuits representing his body and, and dip it in the juice representing his blood. And, and even just recognize how great his love is for us, that he would do that. That that's what we truly long for, to be loved like that, to be with the God who loves us and would send his son for us. So let's pray. And then, yeah, Lord, we just thank you um, for your goodness. Thank you that the story of life is not about us, it's about you. And you are so good. And you desire to be with us, to make your home in us. Um, to free us, to rescue us, to satisfy the longings of our heart. And we thank you for the promise and hope that we have. And we just ask, Jesus, would you meet us now? Would you meet us in our hearts? Um, draw out our longings and desire for you and create a thirst for your return and for your coming. And we ask that you'd fill us more with your presence and power now, that you would dwell amongst us as your people, and we would reflect you out to the world. And yeah, Holy Spirit, just come and do, do a work in our hearts tonight, we pray. Meet us around communion um, as we worship. And yeah, we just, just say, have your way tonight in your name. Amen.